everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of Omaha Talks. I'm your co-host Parker Steele in the house studio with co-host Brandon Herbal. And today on the show, we are hanging out with the multifaceted, multi-talented Steve Gordon. I don't know about talent. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, Steve? I'm good. I'm good, boys. It's crazy uh, knowing, knowing you two and knowing B so well. I feel like it's just old times when when it, I when I yeah. see you guys out and about or doing whatever. So uh, I guess we're just here having a conversation. One thing uh, that's certain, we always kind of cross each other's paths, like doing something. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. when I I met Steve, you were doing stuff with Ben and Brandon in yeah. the basement printing yep. T-shirts. Yep. And then when you guys got done doing that, Ben and I would work on our album. Yep. Or we would go upstairs and drink ciders and homebrews oh and my all God. that. <laughs> so this guy, Ben, let's talk about his boots. Yeah, we have. We want to get him on the show. You ben, should. If you're listening, that would be that would be an interesting show. But we need to have him drink some cider first. His Just own really cider from his like the cider. bottom rack. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I want to talk about. So I don't know how many times he would tell me. I'd be like, "What do you what What do you think the ABV?" Of this wine or Shay's beer was, no, uh, it's low. It's average. Jeez. One bottle later, I'm just like somebody call a cab. Yeah. I can't. I can't walk home. I can't drive home. It was tough. Yeah. yeah, I feel a little sick. You yeah. know. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was harsh. But they always had so much of it. Like a he lot. built yeah. a wine rack yeah. in the basement. Yeah, that would hold like a hundred bottles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. I remember he was sending me home after printing sessions with. Cider, because my wife loves cider. He would just here take this bottle, and it was more like the cask of Amontillado. Yeah, it was like it was yeah. this huge bottle, like the celebratory the, bottles they pop with a nice like yeah. with a nice twist cap yeah, on it. Like you went all out, everything. Yeah. Oh my god. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, it. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it was pretty high octane because mm-hmm. it, especially the cider, because one night we were having band practice. And I remember I was playing drums this night and I look over and the wine rack is right in front of me and I just see corks start exploding. Oh, wow. And three bottles at the uh, like uh sequentially just pop 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 shot across Crazy. the room. <laughs> it took us a second to figure out what was going yeah, on. But it was just I don't know. He would always up. tell me that he's trying to get the formula right. So I'm like, yeah, this is like Straight alcohol, yeah. Drinking, yeah. The formula is you might die. (laughs) Scrape your knee, you could like. Yeah, literally, literally, like (laughs) sanitize shit with it. Yeah, yeah, man. All of that. That's crazy because, like you said, we would we would run into each other while we were in the process of making. Yep. And it was typically that sort of graveyard shift hour. Mm -hmm. It's late. Everybody's had a full day already. But, you know, B, we had to get some shirts out right. or we had a sale going. Or, and so we would have to be down there. And it was it was, it was was cool. It was weird. You didn't want to feel like you were invading privacy, but you were more inside this clubhouse that everybody just happened to live at. That's a good point. Yeah. Th- there would be times when I was just like, Ben, man, you've had people in your house right, for, right, for, right. <laughs> for like 48 hours. Right. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. And you guys put in the hard work, dude, because like. Playing music down there was one thing, but like working and printing shirts, that was not a. I mean, it was not a big spot like, to be, to have a bunch of guys down there working. Right. It was trial and error at that point too. Huh? Yeah. yeah, we were all just trying to figure it out as we went. Too. It was built from the ground up. I remember when Brandon decided that we would do that because he was leading the charge on that. I was sitting at Starbucks that morning, and uh, he says, "I think we're going to build a press." And he comes through, he's like, I got the plans. I'm like, here, take some cash. Oh, go, yeah. Go get the goods. And so, we built yeah, that first one. Right. Yeah. Out of wood. Ben, yeah. Steve, and I uh, like split the costs of getting yeah. it, and then Ben built it. And, and then, then I remember going to man. get a bunch of a bunch of screens from uh, Impact. Impact, that's right. Yeah. Because they were Travis, selling old, yeah, sold a Travis bunch of old was selling a bunch of old screens, and yeah. Travis took care of me out there. God, like that was crazy that we we built what we were using to build other stuff. I was trying to think how long we've known each other, and I remember telling you guys that um, Rilo, like I found out that I like, was yeah, gonna be a dad. I remember that. I mean, she's almost seven now, so I mean, it's going on. That's been ten and, years, and, and I've known yeah, I've known you what a couple years before yeah, that. Yeah, so even. it's probably pushing ten years. That's crazy, man. I've known you for almost twenty years. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's wild. even crazier, yeah. whoa. That's wild. Uh, so. Tyson actually asked me today because his birthday is the day before mine, and he was like, "Okay, 
is this year your 34th? And I was like, I think so. <laughs> I like totally forget how old I am. 34 is too soon to be forgetting. Yeah. Well, I just don't care. You know when you got family and kids? Like, I do. Like their birthdays are more important and it's just like. Well, what's a birthday I mean? Know. I mean, like, I think I'm just hanging out until 50. Shit, really? I don't know about y'all, man. I'm celebrating mine. I'm 44 this summer. Well, I, see, okay. <laughs> Every time I come up with a, okay, it's like, it's my birthday. Like, right. like we got to do something. We got to do something. I kind of avoid that because I'm like, what if it sucks? Nah, nah, you guys are going to do all this, you know, and I'm, you know, or whatever. Anyway. What I used to do is throw big parties. And so I would do what I like to do so that at the end of the night, if nobody showed up, it was just a cool night out for me. That's a great strategy. And then I would invite other people to hang out, hang out. And it would typically end up being pretty raucous. We'd go up to Krug or someplace like that. And people would show up. Nice. And, and I would I would print shirts. We would do all that. types of events. But I'm like, at the end of the night, if nobody shows up, I had a hell of a night. That's cool. And then it was always a good birthday. That's cool. That's a good idea. Well, I mean, I had so much loss and death in my fam, man. Especially young. I'm like, shit, I'm celebrating every single one. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be here next year. Sure. You know? It's not, Nor I, do any of us, really. Right. So it's kind of morbid to think about at first, but then I'm like, I can always think to myself, if I go out right now, damn, I did it. Right. You know. So yeah, celebrate your birthday, man. I don't know. I'm going to be like, I'm going to go out right now. I'm going to finish <laughs> this episode. Roll over, you know. <laughs> there's there's just like a few more cheese that's left. I'm going to get it. rid of those. <laughs> Make sure, yeah. Make sure one is in the mouth for the flavor. <laughs> yeah. Just put cheese that's over my eyes. Right. Okay, so you guys met. Let's talk about the origin story of you guys meeting. Where did you guys I meet? I remember the exact day. Me too. Do you? Yeah. We were down at uh, yeah. camp yeah. at a co-working spot that I had helped start with uh, Eric Downs and Megan Hunt. We were down in the Mastercraft building. <laughs> so began our long history with Mastercraft, yeah. too. Yeah, the Mastercraft has come up in the show. We will not talk about that. Man, believe me, I, I commiserate <laughs> right along with from busting knuckles. Well, I'll get to that. Anyway, All right, yeah. we were in uh, in camp. I remember Eric had said I needed to meet this guy who was doing similar work to me, had similar style. He thought we would get along really well. And so I remember uh, the very first day you were working on upper playground stuff. Upper playground stuff. And yep. you were helping me uh, kind of just brainstorm and come yep. up with some sketches and also showed you the preview of what became make-believe. That's uh, right. We were showing That's you, like, right. look at the site that we're working on. I, I just remember, ah, oh, man, I remember feeling so inadequate. I'm like, shit, this dude is good. <laughs> I, just, I must hang out with him. Right, right. I must glean what he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was the very first time we met. I'm glad you remember that. Yep. yep. Just yep. like that. After after that, it's a blur. Like, I don't remember the next thing we did or whatever. No, I mean, But we yeah. just started working together on stuff and hanging out. And then, you know, over the last few years with us, like, in our families and stuff, we don't get to hang out as much. But yeah. when we do, we just sit and can go on for hours yeah, and just man. talk. And it's just, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of, like, uh, definitely a pleasant byproduct to doing this yeah. show is just kind of getting to catch up with people, yeah. you know. Brandon and I sit and shoot the shit at each other yeah. for hours, yeah. you know, and it's just like, well, let's put a microphone. Maybe a couple Maybe. people yeah. find it interesting. Yeah. And by the way, really quick, I just want to shoot this in there. We have a listener in Portugal, That's and we have cool. listeners all over the world, but to whoever is listening in Portugal... Thank you. That's, that's awesome. an interesting place. That's crazy. You are, reach out to us because we want to know who you are. That's and crazy. Any international listeners of Omaha Talks, reach out to us. It's we want to know who man, you are. Because uh, I, I had a guy send me an email from Denmark. And like, I don't care what I have to pay to get some of your gear. Send it over. And I'll pay the, the tariff. And I'm like, whoa, that's wild. So yeah, there's people over in Denmark who like, where something I made here. So that's awesome. I hear you when you say that. So yeah. whoever's in Portugal, shout at the boys. See what's <laughs> yeah. up? So, right now, uh, you know, Steve, you've done a lot of things. Uh, how should we sort this out? you want to go backwards to forwards, forwards to backwards? What should uh, we do? Oh, my goodness. We can start uh, back to four. Okay. Yeah, because I, I suppose the, as you said, the origin story is, is so blended up and mixed together that it's hard to separate. Sure. So, it really is a chronological sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, beginning... Oh my goodness. Um, I was kind of an outcast in a different way growing up because uh, I'm from North Omaha, mm -hmm. born and bred, proud of it. I'm a project kid. 
I try not to bring that up too much because like I think too many people wear their struggle as a badge of honor. Sure. And for me, I'm more like, man, I'm trying to shake it off. Yeah. I want you to see what I'm made of, not where I come from. But where I came from made me. Yeah, we talk about Green Island a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. Sorry, sorry. So so growing up, uh, you know, I fast forward to the really tough part, which was my mother pulled me out of public school um, where I had gone my whole life and sent me to prep. Wow. And so that was kind of a culture shock from the standpoint of school, from the standpoint of poverty versus wealth, from the standpoint of black versus white, from this, from so many things. Was this your freshman year? Yeah, freshman year. So I went, I went straight from Lewis and Clark Junior High and was supposed to go to Central. Right. And you go to prep where it's families and long-standing names and history and mm. you're just <clears throat> this black kid that showed up. There was literally maybe 10 of us in my in the whole school, maybe five of which were in my class. Oh, wow. So it was a culture shock. In your own hometown, too. Yeah, which is right there. Crazy. So it felt foreign. You yeah. know, to cross, seven, literally to cross 72nd Street felt like, oh my God, I'm on the edge of the planet. Mm-hmm. But it was a good culture shock because outside of a few isolated incidents, we were accepted. And, and sure. it was more like, okay... Once you wear these colors, once you play sports with these kids, once you go to class with these people, you're in there. And, right. and, and so you have more in common than you have apart and separate and different. So it was trying to get my head wrapped around that, but then going back to the hood every single night, mm-hmm. riding three you know metro buses to get back to my neighborhood, only to find out that because I go to the Ritzy Prep School, I'm now an outcast in my own neighborhood. Right. So I'm learning. I'm expanding my mind. I'm learning all these new things. I'm meeting new people. And then I go home and the very people I grew up with are like, you're different now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck. Right. So that was a struggle. That was a, a kind of a four-year struggle of being an outcast. Then I'm a jock. I'm a black jock. Um, I'm a black jock at a ritzy school. So I'm seeing my face on every movie of the 90s. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> you know, how many get over the hill stories were there out there? We couldn't stop remembering the Titans. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. it. The, the remake of Othello, Remember the Titans. Yeah. It was yeah. Everywhere you looked. So, it was kind of an identity crisis. I was also artistic. I grew up doing graffiti and cartooning and my dad taught me to draw. He was a draftsman. So architecture was really uh, big in my family and in my blood. And so I took architecture classes. So again, I'm taking all these things that took me further and further away from my childhood friends, from my neighborhood. I was automatically going to college, track scholarship. All these things were happening that were good. And I was sort of made to feel ashamed of the work I put in Mm -hmm. because so many people would call it luck. Or right. good fortune. I'm like, yo, my mom damn near killed herself. I mean, physically killed herself working three jobs to get me through prep. Um, my college fund was non-existent. Mm-hmm. It was going to be a scholarship from the day that I that I got to junior high. She's like, I can't do any more for you than this. Yeah. And so I'm like, it's not luck. And that, that used to piss me off. It used to hurt so bad. So I spent four years in limbo. Yeah. That really kind of kicked off where I went from there. And it took all this time to get comfortable with the sort of mashup that my life was. So to go to school on scholarship, I had to be kick-ass at track and field. Yeah. And to stay in school on a track scholarship, most people don't realize as an athlete, you actually cannot drop below 2.5 when a regular student can get like three consecutive semesters of 0.0. So not only do I have to be physically good, I have to be mentally good, I have to excel. On top of that, I'm a black kid from the hood, so I have to do 10 times better than your average white guy would have to do graduating college. So, and you're a teenager. Right, and I'm a teenager. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like, so, not easy for anybody. Right. You know, that's like the most... That's a, that's a hard time to find yourself. And, you and, know? and be grown up doing it. Exactly. Like, like right. don't step out of line because you right. lose it all. Exactly. And so it was scary. It was a it was a really scary time. But then, moving past that, it was like I now have this massive toolkit of skills. What to do with them? Mm-hmm. And so, I never turned off the sort of uh, 
Now they call it entrepreneurial. Brandon and I talk about this all the time. Like, it's just stuff we do. Yeah. But now they have, like, college courses to do the stuff that we just grew up exploring. Yeah, step one, get off your ass. Right. Oh, that's (laughs) entrepreneurial. Step two, do it. What? There's a course for that now? Yeah, yeah. In the next six weeks, we're going to teach you how to get off your ass and do something. Right, right. I mean, because, you know, just going back to what we were talking about earlier, you guys needed a press, so you printed out the plans to build one, and you fucking built one. Yep. And (laughs) and worked the hell out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a basement that was crowded. You know what I mean? Like, Like we definitely got some kind of brain damage from the fumes and everything down there. I remember when you were gone and Ben and I had uh, the fire. When the the, the, oh, the heater exploded. I remember the fire. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to set this house on fire, but we've got to print these shirts. <laughs> yeah. Let's figure it out. Yeah, that... The oh. heater coil just exploded. Like, there's there's all types of funny stories like that. Yeah, yeah terrible luck too. with those dryers. Yeah. Well, we just had, like, ups and downs the whole way through, but you look at it now and Ben has a fully Full functional, functional company, shop, yeah. All from us, like, That's literally crazy. building one. By good, I, yeah. Lows yeah. It's so funny going to his uh, his warehouse now where he works. It's just like this vast space, huge ceilings. You know, you can it's land crazy. an airplane in it. And his house that he and his wife lived in that he was printing in made the Capitol Absolutely. Street basement look like like a, like a hole in uh-huh. the wall. I mean, it was uh-huh. so small. Yeah, like that got even smaller and it had the full press in it. Full, yeah, the big the full, metal. The, yeah, the iron horse press was down there. God. Even that's kind of a funny story, how that was a, a sort of hand-me-down find that you found. Yep, yep. And, and so, like, even the things, even our history has history with other people's history. Well, yeah. What, okay, so for everybody listening, what we're talking about is a screen printing press. Yeah. Which is a big piece of machinery, no matter how you look at it. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, like a single press, no big deal, but you guys were doing, like, do three, single, four, five color presses. You can do a yeah. single press tabletop. Um, which I, you know, Steve has, and a few other people. Um, you can literally sit on your kitchen table on a sure. desk or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. we had a uh, six-color, fully functional, like industrial printing press that <laughs> yeah. is spring-loaded. I mean, yep, spring-loaded, yeah, calibrated. Yeah, what? Like with it, it, it's massive. Yeah, it I mean, was huge, like, big piece yeah. of machine. Like it used to have a warehouse all its own down at Mastercraft. Yeah. It was uh, yeah. when God, how many names have we had? Where that was Comico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. And then, but then somehow stuffed it in his piece by piece. I don't know how it, put it yeah, in I that piece. I have no idea. <laughs> apartment building. I don't know how how man. And would print thousands of shirts. Yeah. yeah. And that thing would almost hit the. I remember it would almost hit the wall yeah. as you turned it. Yeah. So you had to have certain arms had to be up if you weren't using them. Because it would literally <laughs> scrape the wall of his basement. He's insane. I remember going down there and just being afraid to like even put my arms out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like, I'm something. just going to, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. wear your good shit down oh, there, man. Dude. This paint but is going to get on something. That's so funny. That's why I printed Wanderlust. Yep. Like, yep. Flat I printed, black I printed all, yeah, you printed yeah. flat black stuff. I printed all of ridiculous uh, goods and cloth stuff down there. I even printed this stuff for my... Uh, my club, track and field club, so that uh, we had gear. Yeah. Yeah, it was, all, it was all done down there. Okay, so now we're rolling. So you get a track scholarship. You go yeah. to school. Where'd you go to school? Went to school at uh, University of Nebraska for two and a half years. I was an architecture major there. Um, and then, again, the background reared its uh, necessarily ugly head. Uh, couldn't afford school and the scholarship. Nebraska doesn't doesn't do a great job of treating in-state kids well. You know, they love mm. to tout their walk-on program. But it's really a propaganda machine of you were born in this state. Don't you love to go here? Wouldn't mm. you love to just be a Big Red? And yeah. sure we did. So yeah. you kind of take it in the teeth for a while until you just can't afford to stay in class. Right. So I had to transfer schools. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a tough time because I didn't know where I was going to go. I just knew I had to go somewhere and so you ride that really scary line of um, if I drop out now, which is what I did. So most people are like, oh, you transferred schools. No, I dropped out for a year and a half to save up money, to search for a new place to go, to somehow promise this new school that I still had enough skills to be an athlete for their school. Yeah, That's scary because you end up making money. You end up being able to fend for yourself for a little bit. As you said, a teenager mm-hmm. with a shit ton of money in his pocket, mm-hmm. supposed to be going towards school, but let me get these kicks, let me get, you know, these headphones. Yep. You start to understand that 
work equals money equals things. Mm -hmm. You're at a really vulnerable time for that. And uh, so I'm at home for maybe the better part of a year. Uh, I was Olympic hopeful, so those dreams went out the window. You become this sort of average person. So that was tough, but made it. Made it somehow. I mean, I remember even paying off bills that my friends had. Like, that's how much money I could make. Wow. And so one guy, one of my best friends at the time, he was transferring also, but he had a bill. And I remember to this day, I don't even think he knows I, I paid his bill wow. so that he could get his transcripts. Maybe I'll listen to this. Maybe. You know? <laughs> but but it, was, it, was, it was crazy to be able to do those kind of things. Yeah. And then I remember the trigger. I, I remember sitting and watching... Uh, the 96, it would have been the 96 Olympic trials. Atlanta? Yeah, and, and I just bawled. I was oh. laying, laying on my mom's bed thinking, like, I had every right to be there. I was that good. I see friends of mine on TV. It's killing me, and all because I had to transfer schools, and I had to sit out, and I had to wait. So it was tough, and that was that's what really got me back into school. Is like, I can't wait any longer. Mm -hmm. I, have to, I have to go back and get in. And so uh, that's when I transferred to the University of South Dakota. I knew some people up there. Um, one of my cousins was at school there. So I called him and I just said, hey, I'm coming to school. I know I can afford it there. Uh, talk to your coach, see if I can run track there. Cool. Um, they offered me a scholarship. They were trying to recruit me. I'm like, guys, this is the easiest recruiting you'll ever do. I'm coming to school there. Mm -hmm. So like, stop with the song and dance. Just get me a uniform. Get me in class. Let me go. Yep. And so that's what we did. I transferred up, uh, and uh, it worked out. Worked out. So, what events were you doing? I mean, like, let, you know, when you were watching guys uh, mm. try out, like, what what were the events that you were watching? I was a long jumper and triple jumper, mainly a triple jumper. Wow. Yeah, and so that was my thing. That's what I was uh, at Nebraska. I was big eight runner up in the triple jump, sixteenth um, ranked in the country at the time. And so I'm just, a, like I said, a hometown kid who was doing it for the big U as wow. best I could. Um, but it didn't seem to pan out fast enough for them. So whatever, they had me on a book scholarship. And I remember they cut my book scholarship. I'm like, really? You're taking my books away? Yeah. Like, that was a big F you. So that's when I had to Talk about like, the racket of the century. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. College textbooks. College, college yeah. Yeah. College textbooks, college sports, even college itself to a Maybe to a we degree. should just say college, the biggest racket. To a degree, it's, yeah. a huge, it's, a, it's a huge racket. I never can, stayed in college long enough to have to buy a book. So. Really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the funny thing is, when I got to South Dakota, I stopped buying my books because I remember one, year, one semester I, I got into some financial struggles and I couldn't afford the books. And I got a 4.0. And I'm like, wait a second. Uh -huh. And I tried it again. Another 4.0. I'm like, I don't learn by reading books. Oh, yeah. Good to know. Yep, show up so to I, class, yeah, listen. exactly. Yeah, I buy the books. Sometimes <laughs> I thumb through them. Yeah, you know? they're good to set things on. So you come home. Yep. South Dakota. Yep. What's the next move? Man? Okay, so funny it was we've talked about you know kind of tv sitcom after school special life it's kind of what it felt like i had a car full of gear full of stuff um i'm on i-29 and anybody who's driven on i-29 knows north omaha has its own exit yep it was symbolic it was heartbreaking um, but I bypassed that exit and I went, I took the long way around and got off in Millard where some friends lived Okay. because I needed to physically, symbolically kind of leave everything behind for a second and get a fresh start. Yeah. So I drove past my typical exit. Did not take the bridge. I did not take the bridge. Yeah. I did not take the exit to North O because I had to start different. Yeah. Man. And if I was going to do it, it had to be that moment. So I'm literally in my car, like, freaking out, because I really don't know. Again, I'm just a kid from North O, crossing 72nd, crossing 108th. Going further west was so fucking scary. Yeah. And so I'm like, I, I, but I can't go back to normal stuff. Mm -hmm. I have to change it. So took the long way around, got off in Miller, called some of my boys from school, and uh, stashed on their couch until I could get an apartment. Nice. Yeah. What'd you get your uh, degree in? My degree was actually fine art, um, and at the time they bounced us around, so I ended up with two degrees and a minor. So it was fine art uh, from the fine art college. Okay. Visual communication from the mass the mass comm department, mm -hmm. and then when they wrapped it all together, graphic design emphasis, 
with an art minor. So I have a studio art minor and then two degrees. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. It's funny how they shuffle around uh, like communications on and a creative whim. types. On yeah, a dude. whim. They're like, uh, this year we're going to shove you guys with journalism. Yeah, I, what? That's, that's what they do at UNO right yeah. now. I'm taking classes at UNO yeah. and they're just like, well, so we're going to like maybe some PR, right. <laughs> you know, right. like shuffle you around and then you can totally fill it in a right. little creative writing, you know. Uh, yep. and, and they don't like designers. Fine artists do not, at least from a program standpoint, they couldn't stand us because oh, we were sure. we were the artists that were trying to get a job. Right. We weren't real. Right. We weren't right. doing it for the love of the art. You didn't want to starve. For right. I'm like, well, because what I do, <laughs> yeah, what I do takes is solving a problem. Yeah. It's really yeah. not art. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know that it sits in your college neatly. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So it's kind of crazy, man. So when you first get like, okay, so. What are we talking like? This is early two uh, thousands, uh, right before the turn. I remember I had to report to my job. Luckily, I had I had worked at First National, done some internships. I had a job before I even graduated. So mm. ninety nine, December twenty second, nineteen ninety nine, I reported to work at First National for my first day. Wow. Yep. Of an official employee or the internship? Official employee. Oh, nice. Yep. Cool. Yep. And those friendships and the people that you met there. Oh, even now, Todd um, yeah. Boswell, a bunch of people, uh, Jim Bush. I remember um, my mentor, uh, Fran Marshall, she was uh, senior VP over HR. And it's so wild that, like, you think back, even just seeing me, it's like, wait, the senior VP over HR was your friend? Like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and and she is the reason that I'm on the path I am now. You know, I, I think about that. We're kind of like pinball. You know, and and you encounter something that pushes you a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember I interviewed for the management training program, which if anyone knows anything about that, that is as suit and tie as you can get. Sure. And it didn't feel right, but I got through it because that's what I do. I know how to take those interviews. I know how to do business. And she took my folder that said I was approved and she dumped it in her desk and told me to go back to work. And I'm like, why'd you do that? Like... I, I, I passed. I, I want to move on to this. And she goes, if I let you do that, you will absolutely hate your life mm. because that's not who you are. So she said, go back to work, do your job. You always have a place here as long as I'm here. It, and until I get hit by a bus, you have a job. I, I got you. But you have to go do your job, do your work, excel at it, mm. and you're fine. But if I let you do this it will be the mistake of a lifetime. And she was right. Man. Yeah. She was right. So she made sure I didn't become a suit and tie guy. There should be more people like that in the I world. I think so. You hear about events like that sometimes, like, no. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's almost beyond a mentor. Like, when I think of, like, a guardian angel, Absolutely. like, somebody that saves Absolutely. your life. Like, like it's, it's more like that, you know. Nothing that I've done to this point from that moment would have happened without her. Wow. Yeah. And then there's other friends that I still stay in touch with down there. So it's good. It's good to have those those moments. And that's why I remember them so much. Sure. Because, I mean, on top of the things we listed, also I was a, a barista and I was a DJ, a concert DJ. Mm. So, like, I opened up for Black Eyed Peas. Oh, wow. Um, I performed with uh, Soul Slinger and a bunch of other, like, big-time DJs. Um, and working at First National afforded that to me because there was a cutoff time. Five o'clock, you're out. Mm -hmm. Six, I would go down and work at Stage Right, if anybody remembers Stage Right Coffee, um, right there on the corner by the Orpheum. Uh, I worked there for a couple years, locking the place up at night. That way I was able to work on other things, go home, get my mixtape together, send that off. I had a recording contract with a company out in L.A. It was a, it was, it was a real cool time to be to have the energy to not be so exhausted yeah because when I look back on it I'm like that was damn foolish right what were you doing oh I know I yeah. know but all of that stemmed from First National it, my, my corporate day job bankrolled my interesting life sure yeah so that was kind of like the first or, or really the beginning of like pursuing creative stuff outside of your yeah. career absolutely. in Omaha was absolutely. doing the music stuff absolutely because yep. that, that happened uh, at the end of college so it was actually going on before um, I had gotten home, I had always been involved in that. I was in a rap group like everybody was right. um, back in the day. Um, but I learned production, music, that kind of stuff. I was a DJ um, who would sp I would spin records at a pirate radio station at Leola's record shop. And like when I say it, I'm like, oh crap, I did do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's some yeah, weird yeah. stuff, man. I did no, some that's crazy great. stuff. Yeah. Um, 
so when you're doing when you're working at first national for excuse me first national what is like the climate because i'm always it's interesting to hear about like that you had uh um what i'm sorry what was her name oh fran fran marshall fran marshall shout out to fran shout out to fran for real um you know, people like that, you just don't think of, like, personality types like that. And you're a young guy, yeah. super young, out yeah. of college. Yeah. Like, what, I mean, what was going through your head when you are going to work? Like, were, were you, did you have the sense, like, okay, I've got a career? I mean, clearly, because you were push. trying, you were progressing yourself. Yeah. But at the same time, you were still doing the music stuff. And yeah. still, you wanted to make shit, you know, in your free time. Yeah. So, like, where was your head at? Like, I think that goes back to, you know, what I said in terms of growing up, you just had to excel at everything. Mm-hmm. Because acceptance for someone like me, and it's it even feels nasty to say that, but it's such the obvious truth. Yeah, is I'm a young black male, just barely out of my teens, in a very very conservative state, um, a very rural outside of Omaha place. Mm-hmm. So it's majority white, um, and so to be accepted, you had to be exceptional. Yeah. And so that was my only thought at the time was just like whatever opportunity you have, kick the damn door in yeah, and yeah. be great. Strive. And so with music, that's what, that was the same thing. It was like, do you want to... I'm not going at this to have a recording contract. I'm going at this to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the best barista I know because I'm standing behind this counter. I know what I look like yeah. at a coffee shop in downtown Omaha. Right. I'm six foot three athletic black like Mm -hmm. why am I working behind this coffee counter so I'm gonna have to make exceptional coffee for anybody to accept me back here I can just imagine like uh, Bill and Barb Anderson stopping in to go go to the Orpheum to to go see Newsies absolutely (laughs) they they pop in for a couple macchiatos oh then here's this guy (laughs) (laughs) believe me that's that's the climate oh my goodness that's the feeling that's exactly what it was and so Mindset at the time was just excel, excel, excel. I had to be as excellent as I possibly could. I don't care if I was shopping for groceries. I had to be excellent at this shit. Yeah. Because yeah. that was the only thing that I could do to be accepted yeah. beyond the the obvious sort of outward show, physical limitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when did, uh, okay, doing music, when did that, when did you kind of like, I mean, you had to have come to a point. I mean, if you're open enough yeah. for Black Eyed Peas, there had to have been a moment where it was like, all right. If you had to choose. Yeah, yeah. Do I need to dump yeah. some money into this? That's where my Midwestern roots kind of took over, and it was hunker down, get a job. Right, you know, right. Do the career thing. Yeah. That's when that took over, and I, I wish that I had pressed it a little further. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, I did have a contract. I, I was remixing for um, Moonshine Music which was really big, early 2000s. They had a big tour called Moonshine Over America. They were based in uh, West Hollywood. And I went out there, I won a contest uh, for uh, Herb Magazine, the the URB uh, music magazine. I was sponsored by Roland uh, Music Equipment. Oh, so, whoa. Like, I had a room full of gear. Whoa. So my music gear was on one side and my design gear was on, you know, my computer and all was on the other. So it was always something that ran in exact parallel. Okay. And it just came to the point that there was no scene in Omaha mm-hmm. that was big enough to support at the time. Yeah. So, like, guys like Crampton, you know, mm-hmm. Brent Crampton, mm-hmm. he's a friend. Mm-hmm. He's a friend from those old days. Yeah. But the scene was just getting started and it the tipping point came just after my generation of musicians sure and his took off right so um ethan bondalid and all those guys that that, that run the the restaurant group and they mm-hmm. did they did um loom and all of that yep i kind of had a sort of vip at the door with those guys and i would always go support what they did because I was at the cusp of their scene. Yeah. You know, my manager was uh, was Terrence Pree, who was really good friends with Ethan. Ethan helped out on a bunch of things that uh, that I was participating in, uh, raves and parties and that kind of thing. When the scene was underground, like we were we were spinning parties in old uh, strip joints. You mm-hmm. know, and so like, a, what like were a, we doing? What right? were we doing? <laughs> like a, seriously, abandoned strip clubs. We were, we were, we would rent and spin, and and the scene was it was there, but it was so underground, it was so counterculture. Yeah, 
And then all of a sudden it became. And so I had to earn a living. I had to press on. I had this degree. You know, I suppose if music was the only thing I had, I would have pursued it more. Sure. But I was still... And I was still an Olympic hopeful. I was still ranked top 15 in the triple jump in the USA at this time. Oh, my so God. So I was still competing, working, spinning, doing all of this stuff. And so it was the kind of thing where one of them had to get the attention. Mm-hmm. And so the design career was the only thing really earning money at the time. And so that took over. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just doing, like, uh, at this point, freelance? Um, at that point, I was still at the bank. Working, um, I had gotten recruited to a studio, so I was working at David Day and Associates in town, um, doing freelance on the side, mm-hmm. but still really just, it was all about the career at that point. It yeah. wasn't really about going out on my own. Like Most people who go out on their own know that it's no fun being your own boss, so I didn't want to be my own boss. It was okay. never about that. Sure. It was just about the work. Yeah. And so at yeah. that point, the work was still the thing. The career was still the thing. Well, you had a sweet gig. So yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wearing sneakers to work. I'm working at a studio. It's what everybody dreams of. Like, right. oh, I don't have to wear a suit. And you pay me? Yeah. Sweet. Right. And so, right. yeah, that was that was the majority of it right there. You know, I like to put on a suit as much as anybody, but putting one every day? I don't know. Yeah. It felt like a costume. It's it, one thing yeah. to get dressed up. It's another thing to yes. wear it every day. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just, uh, interestingly. I bought a suit jacket for my wedding. I was just like, <laughs> you I need to wear one. Anyway. I know. And you looked really, you, you, you looked sharp. You didn't look sharp, buddy. You did look yeah, sharp. Still, it took a lot. It was <laughs> uh, a lot believe me, I hear you. Yeah. I didn't wear a tie at my wedding because yeah. I drew the line. I'm like, I'll wear a suit. But I got married in Vegas. Um, it was a really, really good thing. We didn't do it cheesy. But yeah. I'm like, I wear, we'll go Ocean's Eleven style. Okay. You know, unbuttoned, very yep. Clooney mm-hmm. on the strip. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I'm not wearing a tie. I'm glad your wife signed on to that. <laughs> she did. She, she did. was all yeah. for it. She was all for it. Yeah, see, I was afraid. I got married in Colorado and uh, outside in this, like, this barn, and there was a graveyard. It, super cool. It's, it's nice. amazing. You know, it was nice. dope, though. And uh, I was afraid because I get super hot, super easy. Mm. Like I'm hot as I'm hot as shit right now, and I was afraid it was July. I'm like, I can't oh, wear a jacket. Sweat through. I'm it. gonna be pouring, right. you know, and have nerves anyway. Right, glistening and all your pictures. <laughs> just shining. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Right. It was actually really cool that day. But uh, anyway, uh, I just heard something on NPR. Uh, this gal was talking about how. Um, her theory is is that people just do um, less quality work when they are in suits and ties because they are uncomfortable. They're yeah. physically uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And I'm like, people, that makes yeah. so much sense. If yeah. I had to sit at a desk or even just run around, yeah. like drive yeah. in a suit and all this crap you got on, you know, like, no way. Well, When so- I got a job at Mutual, I was two months out, like two months prior they still had a wear like did they not, really? I don't know necessarily suit and tie but they had a oh, wear wow. like, formal like, wear oh yeah. my god that would have destroyed me man yeah, yeah. I can't that would have destroyed me because like, yeah it is it's the penguin suit type of thing where it's it's more about the dress code and not about the work that's such a worker bee mentality I know but we can go a totally different direction with that yeah because that <laughs> that's one thing that bothers me very very much is as an independent creative now running my own business I can do what would, would have taken me through the pomp and circumstance of corporate gig. Mm-hmm. I can do in an hour and a half, two hours. Right. What would have been an eight-hour shift. Oh, my God. And so it, it's so wasteful, but that's a totally different combo. Meetings. Meetings on meetings. <laughs> meetings about meetings. Meetings yeah, about meetings. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's not a cliche. That is real. <laughs> so as far as, like, the design work, like... Um, I don't mean to jump around, but like I feel like we we have kind of hit the point of where you're at in between you and Brandon meeting up. Yeah. Is that where yeah. we're about at? Yeah. So yeah, like, at what's going on? And you know, I'm I'm kind of curious, like as far as because my kind of pipeline into the whole design stuff has been a Brandon. Right. I don't know right. anything about that world. They kind of introduced me to all of that stuff. Right. So like, what was going on in Omaha, or was there anything going on in Omaha? Like as far as like guys like you, you I know. Think it was- Quite, I mean, it was buzzing. Saturated, but it was like that was probably the prime time. Actually. Yeah, it really? was. It's when when most of the most of the 
Because we were we were just saying it's about ten years. Yeah. So I mean, about like ten Secret years Penguin. ago, Secret Penguin, what Oxide, What Cheer, all these guys just celebrated ten year anniversaries yeah. in the last two to three years. Okay. And so it was the inception point of Omaha at its. I won't say creative best because I think we're still going there. Absolutely. But it's the beginning of Omaha being recognized for that. Normally, we're a financial institution. Mm -hmm. We do construction and architecture. We've got HDR. We've got Kiwit. We've got First National. UNMC. UNMC. Yeah. Exactly. So there's like a four-pillar sort of, if you're going to work anywhere in Omaha, work at one of these institutions. Mm -hmm. Mutual Omaha. Exactly. The 106-year-old Exactly. And so outside of that, we weren't really a creative city. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the things you see happening now are happening because there were guys like myself, Brandon, Drew at Oxide, Dave at Secret Penguin, um, John Henry at What Cheer, and all of that, that were starting their own thing and starting mm-hmm. to have a creative voice that was that then became a business voice. Right. So I think that was the thing that was happening at the time. Myself, um, at that point... I had become uncomfortable working, not necessarily wanting to be my own boss, but working for someone else. You don't get the seat at the meeting. You know, someone once told me, if your name's not on the door, you're one of the worker bees. Sure. And so you you don't get to take part in the decision making. I, I don't want to be the boss, but if I'm working on something for a client that that company has... I want to sit at the table and defend my own work. Right. I don't want to trust that the guy at the meeting is going to be propping up my design and my idea like I would. Mm -hmm. And so when someone's charged with selling your idea, it feels really shitty. Sure. Well, I mean, that whole, like, liaison thing, like, you know, why have that extra artery (laughs) if you don't need it, you know? Especially if you're comfortable talking to people because I think, like, the best excuse for not wanting to do that is, like, well, I don't want to fuck talk to them. That's not me. Yeah, yeah. So, but if you you have communication skills and you're not afraid of people, why the hell would you want anybody else to do it? I've gotten better, but I've had talks with Steve of him being my agent or something in some capacity because it's, like, I could do the work, but I'm really bad at selling myself. Yep. So be like, I've been your agent like a couple send, times. He like send me into the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, man, that's what was going on at the time. And and most people are like, when did you get your start? And I say, when I lost the last job I ever had. Sure. I, I was I was let go. I had a six month contract. It didn't get renewed. Oh wow. And at first I felt really bad, but that was only literally like five minutes. I remember sitting in my car. I had to take a few deep breaths to not have that knee-jerk reaction of, I got to go get a job. Mm -hmm. I literally had to talk myself off that ledge so I could just see things a little clearer. Yeah. And in that moment, I realized I had been doing contract work anyway. Sure. So I didn't lose this job as much as that contract was over. Mm -hmm. So let me dive right back in and go find another contract. Yeah. So I had to establish myself as a business, go through all of those steps. And uh, I've been gainfully unemployed ever since. Nice. And has that been through Ridiculous the entire time? Yeah, yeah. That was the moment that Ridiculous was born. Um, Before then, I had been just doing work as myself. Uh, Travis Bellinghausen and myself, we we had uh, done some, some fun work when we were at HDR together. And I had come up with the moniker Ridiculous because I say that all the time. And so I'm like, man, someone said, you should get that on a license plate. You say that all the time. And so I'm like, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) I'm like, how would I put that on a license plate? And so I figured it out. I shortened it, R-D-Q-L-U-S. I'm a huge fan of old school hip hop, run DMC. So I stacked the letters on top of each other, R-D-Q-L-U-S. Due to something my mom would always say to me, the crown got put on top of it and tipped it over. And there it was. Yeah. But... I didn't get it on a license plate until like three years ago, <laughs> so it became honest Mercedes. Right. <laughs> I think you. I think you timed that one all right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was. It was. It became my online handle. There was a lot of like you. You asked about the climate in Omaha. It was also the climate of the internet, chat rooms, mm-hmm. groups, message boards. So it became the moniker that I used on all of my logins. Like I'm ridiculous everywhere. Yeah. And. That was branding. Long before I realized what I was doing, yeah, I owned that name and that word worldwide. Wow! And so a friend of mine in Chicago even said she she misspelled it on an email, 
because in her mind I had occupied that space like ridiculous you successfully yeah. brainwashed somebody with your brain ridiculous is my word goal achieved man <laughs> right that's awesome yep well uh, just <clears throat> excuse me kind of going back to like uh, the beginning of the scene when you start meeting other people like I feel it's kind of interesting we t- we've talked about this a little bit I think in the last show that you know it's it's it takes a scene or a collective group of people like it kind of takes a sense of like not only your self actualization right. but like the talents of other people yeah. and like getting in the right room with yeah. the right person and that doesn't always happen no it doesn't you know and it I doesn't. think that uh, I mean definitely speaking for the three of us like creativity is brought us together and like uh i think that's definitely something that is happening at a super accelerated pace right. in omaha right now right it's like you're doing this let's go here you go here you know and I'm, a lot of that is social media and just being able to access people that yeah. much easier but now that i'm kind of like thinking about you know 10 15 years ago or whatever like that is how it happened you just became interested in people like oh you're doing this hey i'm doing this let's yeah. let's talk about it let's let's whatever whatever and And i uh, think it still happens exactly that way but it just it's framed and feels different for each generation sure so yeah so it's like how did we do it i think a lot of that was those outside interests you Mm -hmm. know if it weren't for brandon working on his clothing and doing it for other people um for eric downs and i working in his spare bedroom of his house forever yeah and then getting a space and then bringing us together because he knew that I liked the clothing aspect of things mm-hmm. that got B and I together. Okay. And so from there, then B and I, you still had to click, you yeah. know, we still had to be cool to continue work or it just would have been a happenstance. Oh, it was nice to meet you. Good luck with your work. Right. But we became boys right. and, and more like family. And so because of that, it's like, like you say, you have to, it's such a, a rare thing it's a stroke of luck to be a put in that mix with everybody and then come out of it having found people that you identify with sure yeah and kind of having a little bit of balls to be like yeah hey how's it going yeah <laughs> you know i like what you're Absolutely. doing like, you know? hey, what's up yeah like the what's up is hard that is Most hard people don't realize it's hard yeah and b is an introvert so a what's right. up to him doesn't always come back oh like, what's man up? i can't imagine <laughs> i can't imagine being you for the first time oh he time. wasn't near he wasn't near as talkative <laughs> like like this no. i believe it no. well and it's funny too to think that that day at camp has literally turned into a 10 year like mm-hmm. uh, he's family yeah like, he is family yeah, yeah, no question I mean so are you I mean it's just like weird how those relationships you have those acquaintances but like literally and we did this too I mean this podcast we didn't talk a ton no you can pick up right where we left right. off and yep. it's just like right. exactly like it was the last time we right. met. I know that's definitely something about like getting older and especially you know being married or or having kids or having a career and still being able to do something not only creatively but you're having a good time catching up you know like it's 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 uh i think it's probably pretty important to mental health especially for uh guys our age honestly that's true i think mental you i mean that's crazy that you said that mental health is a big deal huge because it's your mindset yeah it's how you operate it's what keeps you from making rash decisions you know, without good mental health, man, oh my God. <laughs> totally isolating yourself, yeah. you know, like, I've totally been guilty of that, you know, like, if I didn't have anything going on, yeah. wasn't playing music, and was just working at the job, and just coming home, you know, it, it, like, it's so easy to fall into that, but you feel so much better about yourself, and just, like, waking up in the morning when you got some shit going on, right? seeing, I mean, seeing is, some friends, or doing some right. work, whatever. This podcast is a prime example of that, like... I don't leave the house during the week when I got the kids and like right. you know you you know man fatherhood yeah Woo! schedule around is crazy you know, regular life time. takes over quickly yeah. exactly yeah. so but things I had this. to do to get out of this house or my house <laughs> right right <laughs> exactly right but yeah it's those types of things where like yeah I I totally like love these moments that we can have with each other and like just hang out even if it's for an hour it like energizes me to like go another week right. or two of my yeah life. right. Socializing. Absolutely. So what are you working on right now, man? Like what what's what's big happening? Oh man. It's uh that's always crazy because then I have to think about it. I tend to treat it or or call it like it's not that big a deal. Hold on, I'm gonna turn this around. And by the way, he's doing what we should be doing for (laughs) Yeah. So I'll put that up there. 
What's up, everybody? Oh, yeah. Say what's up to the people. Get Oops. in here, boys. What up? Facebook. What up? Omaha Talks. Right in here. Check it out. <laughs> so, working on right now, um, client work uh, has started to merge into, and I've tried to keep it close on purpose, but client work has merged into passion work, has merged into personal things. Um, on the client side of things, I've got clients like uh, 75 North, who is a uh, land development revitalization corporation uh, run by my high school friend, Othello Meadows. They're in North Omaha rebuilding the, the 30th Street corridor coming from Cumming Street. Okay. Again, one of those natural boundaries where you used to have a, a housing project right across the street from one of the finest institutions in the world, Creighton University. Sure. But you got the hood right there. Right there. And the hood can't go to Creighton. Right. So why can't the hood go to Creighton? Because there's a boundary, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's personal or spiritual, whatever it is, it starts when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. Our 30th Street Corridor has closed us off from that institution. Hmm. So now they're rebuilding that in a, what they call um, a cradle-to-college sort of way. So they've revitalized the land around 30th and Lake. There's this beautiful set of apartment complexes and homes and townhomes, a community center that they call the Accelerator. Um, right down the street from that is Howard Kennedy Elementary. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is I was able to rebrand everything wow. right there. So Kennedy, we got them a new logo and brand. If, if those kids have a mascot and a logo that looks like a Division I NCAA college. Mm -hmm. They're proud to wear their shirts. They go to school a little bit more energized. The neighborhood is more vibrant. Rebranded and did all the naming of the campus buildings around Highlander, which is the new development that 75 North built. Okay. Um, that's something, that's sort of a legacy thing for me to be able to take my daughter there someday and say, Daddy named all of this. Yeah. Daddy designed all the logos for this. That's incredible. And, and it was for the community that Daddy grew up in. Like, I literally grew up two blocks in back of where this thing was built now. Man. So that was amazing. Big. That was fun. That was fun to be able to do. Like, I could only liken it to, like, if, if you boys did something back in GI and just, Man. like, blue town. Mm -hmm. you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it's cool what you're saying, Steve, but we, we're not going to do that. Steve, I understand your sentiment. Uh <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you, but... Mm. So, yeah, that's that's one thing. Um, the other thing that I, I spend a lot of time with that honestly runs parallel, it's not below, but it runs right alongside, is uh, my uh, training group. Uh, I'm still involved in athletics, track and field, and training kids. And you've been doing that for years. Years, right? yeah. I've been doing that. Like, literally, I started running track when I was eight years old. Okay. And so we're talking a 30-plus year stint Wow! Oh, Mind you, if you ever go to the Starbucks that he goes to, <laughs> there's just dads and moms and yeah. people like generations <laughs> of people that just know Steve and has coached their children. Yeah, coach like, kids like it's I weird mean, to know so okay. many people. And, yeah, and, I was I would coach that. That's the thing that's crazy to me is I've coached at Westside about as long as I've known you. Like I started. We well, coach at Westside. Yeah, I coached oh, at cool. Westside High for ten years. Wow. I took a break this year. Because of some of the growth that my training group, Tachyon Athletic, has gone through. And so um, now I coach uh, a young lady in Sweden. I coach a Polish finalist in the long jump. Um, I now currently coach... Just a little bit of... <laughs> what? Yeah. It's, and so that's the... That's We're going to need a part two to the show. Right. That's yeah. the weird thing is most people think, like, how can one person do all of these things and do them well and... I don't have the answer for that. Like, a lot of people say, oh, you, what are you good at? And it sounds cocky, but it's not meant to. B has heard me say it before. I'm not good at any one thing. I'm good at being good. Yeah. My mom groomed me mm -hmm. to excel. Mm -hmm. My whole life groomed me to excel or not be accepted. Right. And so I, you end up just being good at being good. You sure. end up good at excelling because that's the only real capital that I have is that I can promise people that the work will get done. Mm -hmm. I can't promise you anything else, but I can promise you results if you if you rock with me. Yeah. That's all I know. 
That's awesome, man. And then, yeah, That's so that incredible. takes care of some personal, too. And obviously, my, my love, my, my 100% love at this point is uh, Heavy Crown, my clothing line. Okay. That uh, B has been instrumental in because without him and Make Believe and Common Co. and Flat Black and all the other iterations and our beloved River, River City. City Social Club. That's the Yeah, right, right. There would be no heavy crown. That started out as ridiculous goods and cloth. Mm-hmm. That's a mouthful, but I needed to keep it close to the design business. But then it took over the design business to the point where people would say, Steve has a clothing line. And I'm like, you know, me. I'm like, I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> Don't reduce me. And they're like, yeah, but them t-shirts though, bro. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. okay. You have a warehouse of right, merchandise. Right, and, some, <laughs> yeah, and right. finally someone told me, they go, shut up, they're talking about you. Mm-hmm. I would get mad. I would want to be more in their eyes. But they were like, look. You're special for this. They they love what you're doing with this, so go with it. Yeah. I did that to the point where it almost shut Ridiculous Creative, my actually money-earning food-on-the-table business. It almost shut it down because of the attention it was getting. So I, I took a risk. I shut down uh, RGC right about the time that B and I stopped doing the printing. Mm-hmm. It was a natural sort of segue. I'll just dive back in, re-energize the, the, the design business, which is what it did. It worked. That's and actually the, true, because it was at a point yeah. taking over your design. It style. was. It was like it was killing yeah. it. Yeah. And I we talked about it. I'm like, I don't know how to I don't know how to handle this. Like I don't want to be a clothing guy only. Mm-hmm. I wanna do my design business, but people know me for this. Yeah. So I was at a real struggle point. It was it was kind of a a sort of bottleneck of ideas and time and and what to do and then uh, that's when B and I decided to stop doing the printing. So then I'm like, oh, well, I have no way to output the stuff. I'd have to pay somebody. And so it was just a natural moment to say, okay, you know what? I think I'll call it good for a while. We had a good run. RCSC came to an end. RGC can kind of follow it and come to an end. Um, and then I think maybe two, it's funny how time flies, two years ago already, because I was printing heavy crown stuff just before my daughter was born. Wow. And so two years ago, I decided to resurrect it under a different name. Um, my, my little crown logo had always been called the Heavy Crown. I mm-hmm. had always used it. And so I'm like, let me just call this new thing that so that it still bears the mark of my design business, but it's got its own name. Mm-hmm. And shit, it took off again, wow. but now with its own identity. So that's been really fun. So anybody that doesn't know what you're talking about, where can they find it? Where can they check they out They can actually stuff? go to Heavy Crown, no vowels. So it's H-V-Y-C-R-W-N.com. And uh, that will kick you to my, my shop. Um, I try to keep the theme wrapped around kind of this idea of street nobility. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, your actions make you noble, not your things, not your money. But the your life, last name. Right. None of that makes you noble. But if you do the right things, then all of those things can be. Like, you can make your last name noble, but you got to do the work first. Yeah. And so I try and keep it fun. I I love a good look, so it's got to look good. It's got to be designed well. But that's the kind of central theme. Like, one of the the first piece that I did was um, Princess Leia. It was a a kind of a halftone of Princess Leia with uh, Bar the heavy crown bar over her eyes for this sort of like embattled nobility. Like you want to be, you want some anonymity. Yeah. You want to be anonymous because all of that, all the trappings of royalty bring you trouble. Mm-hmm. And it was ironic that she passed when she did. And that became a really big icon of the work that I had been doing. So the next one was uh, Black Panther. Yeah. Um, and then I had some, I always like turning a phrase as a as a writer and so one of the shirts was worth the weight but spelled uh not weight as in time but weight as in heavy okay which made sense with heavy crown yeah and so yeah it, those things took off and so i'm glad to be doing that again man can i just say star wars gets brought up every episode and he hates it <laughs> he hates it every i couldn't wait and i just wanted to like give a quick moment to carrie fisher you yeah, know what a drag out. that was Shouts man, out, man. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's everybody's <laughs> princess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I see if we brought up Disney, B would be on. Oh, yeah. oh I know. Disney owns Star Wars now. Yeah, I Boom. know. I know. <laughs> I know. We, we, we've made this. We're like, what are you going to do? We made the connection. So, so uh, <laughs> they just wanted the money. That's all. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> you know, Brandon, I just want to say this. Uh, you know, if Princess Leia in her uh, little outfit in Return of the Jedi with Jabba the Hutt Ooh, didn't do anything. If that it. doesn't make you a Star Wars fan. Talk about it. I mean, it's chains, you it's know. Chains, bro. And then, and then, talk about some powerful women. She used those chains to murder her murder. oppressor. Murder. <laughs> she wrapped that she committed murders around Jabba's neck. In a bikini, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. not saying there's things, there's not takeaways from Star Wars, but... I don't know. It gets brought up. I know. Episode. I know. I like to twist that knife That's a little funny, bit. Man. I like to twist that knife a little bit. Well, Steve, this has been an incredible conversation. It's been fun. Loving man. it. It's we'll been fun. definitely be back on the show because we got plenty of stuff to talk about. I want to talk some more about athletics. Definitely. Because uh, Brandon and I are currently uh, trying to do that. I, I've yeah. been noticing. Yeah. Yeah. I've been noticing you boys doing your Somewhere workouts and getting it in. I was out this morning. Just uh, trying to make it happen. It gets harder when you get older, man. It gets harder, you know. Trying to find the time to do anything. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, as soon as I can strap the baby to my back safely, maybe I'll be able to do more. Yo, you know? I might have something for you. We, yeah. uh, we had uh, a baby carrier. We would go to the zoo. Yeah. I, I would put my tracker on. Yeah. And make sure to track how many hours and steps I was I mean, taking. That's, that's, a, that's a pound pack. Yo. On on your back, you know, getting a little extra. The one that we have now, it's he's in the front. That and one's I don't tough. Like it. Yeah, that one's tough. Yeah, yeah. The back one is much better. It seems yeah. unnatural. Yeah, you know? I'm too little for this, and maybe you don't have to deal with this. But going to the bathroom just to get some quiet time. Oh yeah, I don't get oh, that yeah, yet. Bro. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Man, yeah. the other day I was absolutely. I was shaving, or and he was freaking out. I'm just like <laughs> yeah. going as fast as I can. You go into your zen moment where <laughs> like nothing bothers me at this point. Yep. Because I must get this done. Yep. Yep. I also know we're jumping all over the place but I did see someone shave at the gym the other day for the it's first disgusting. time. Shaved at the gym? You've never seen oh, that? Oh no, that's what? gross. I stopped going to gyms a long time ago because oh, of that stuff. Why? Because of like the leg up on the bench and like dude I don't want to see you naked. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, you yeah, know all that. it's that baby boomer comfortability with walking around naked. Uh-huh. I'm glad that you're happy, right. you're comfortable right. in your own body. Extra comfortable. Totally unnecessary right yeah, now. Yeah, don't do it. No. You're dry. Do it. Like, yeah. I know I know. there's a TV in here. That right. doesn't mean right. hang out. This is not a don't do hang out place. Man, I used to go to gyms all the time in the Omaha <laughs> area. Uh, I went to, oh my God, <laughs> Omaha Sports, Omaha Athletic Club, uh, uh, 24-hour fitness, and like I couldn't do gyms anymore for that reason. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, and the shaving just like, Oh, oh, God. I can't even think of it. Yeah. yeah. Too much. Oh, it's so too much. I saw it. I didn't think it was a thing. It's a thing. So it's a thing. Yeah. It is a thing. So and that's bad behavior at the gym. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to Omaha Talks episodes uh, 18. 18. Excuse 18. me. Thank you, Steve. Uh, <laughs> the mic is yours. Let uh, them know where they can find you, what you're doing. Cool. Uh, as we said before, RDQLUS, just about everywhere you can imagine uh, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, um, my website is rdql.us or rdqlus.com, either one you want to use. Um, really, yeah, I suppose uh, not much to plug. You can follow along with my life and exploits there, just about any place I can be found on the, on the, on the internets, in the tubes. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. It's fun. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Steve so, and I will uh, probably have something. You know we will. Working. Yeah, we'll be working works. on something yeah. real soon. We we uh, we we were trying to resurrect our our beloved uh, River City Social. River Club. City's got to come back, man. We, it, it might. It, I get asked it, about it might, those T-shirts all. Yeah, we're the time. figuring it out, but it might have a, a new name. Might have a life of its own again, but uh, okay. it'll be back. Being B and I, we work too well together to not do something, so it's coming. Absolutely. Um, one more quick bit. So when I come over to Brandon's to do this show, uh, typically afterwards I stop at this uh, restaurant, Takiera Chango, mm. which is right on 108th and Maple. It's on the west side of 108th, and it is in this little plaza. It's it's actually Takiera Chango 2. I don't know where the first one is, but the second one, 
incredible. Maybe like the first one burned down or something. <laughs> I hope not. But Chongo, I've come to know him. He's a great guy. Uh, he's actually an Omaha Talks listener. Nice. So I had to give him a quick shout out. That's uh, what's up. If you are interested in trying authentic Mexican food, but you're a little trepidatious about making that journey to South Omaha, which you shouldn't be because it's your city and you live here. Right. Um, <laughs> but if, if you are, and even if you're not, even if you just like this food, 108th and Maple, Takiera Chongo, it is so good. That's I've been good eating this know. kind of food most of my life, and I will tell, I will vouch 100% of this. This is not a paid advertisement. And one more thing. Jesus. I know, I know, I know. Plugs I got on plugs, I, on plugs. I, I, I got to do a little housekeeping because this this <laughs> often gets forgotten. Been talking to them for yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. So um, if you go in, make sure that you go to the salsa bar. It's in the back, and I'm telling you, gentlemen, this salsa bar out of control. Okay, absolutely right. out of control. Takiera yeah, Chongo too. I love Mexican food. Oh, it's I love so Hispanic good. Cuisine. Tell Chongo that you listen to Omaha Talks and he came in. He's Chango. not going to give you a discount. You don't need one because you can afford right, it. Right, right, right. Pay the uh, man. And pay the man. So thanks again for listening, guys, and we will catch up with you next time.